0: What's up, everybody? You are listening to Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. No guest today. It's just me, which is kind of exciting. I'm, I love doing this thing solo. It's so much fun. So let's let's get into it. You know, there's a lot of news that's kind of broken over the past couple days that I haven't been able to cover quite yet, but I'm really excited. So to lead it off, we will be talking about the firing of Doc Rivers. So if you haven't heard yet, You know, the the Los Angeles Clippers did decide to part ways with Doc Doc Rivers, which we saw coming, right? And I've been listening to a lot of other people talk about this, right? And their whole thing is, like, it was his time. Like, he's been there seven years. It's time for for them to let him go. You know, they they need a new coach, right? Which I'm going to defend Doc Rivers because I don't think this is entirely his fault, right? You know, you can look at his time. In LA and be like he underachieved, which is fair to a certain extent, right? But the NBA is very similar to the NFL in this regard in terms of coaching, right? So when you when you look at the NFL, two of the best coaches in you know the NFL are Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, right? Like two two of the best coaches in the NFL now, two of the best coaches that we're ever going to see, right? And if I was to ask you if those guys were were good coaches, you'd be like, yeah, th- those guys are great coaches, like. What is they, What do they have to do with Doc Rivers, right? So, Bill Belichick was fired from Cleveland and had a losing record until he found Tom Brady, right? And then he started winning games, and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, great coach, right? And I'm not saying that Tom Brady's the key to everything, but in the NFL, you can't win if you don't have a quarterback, right? Pete Carroll was on the verge of being fired from Seattle, had a losing record, and then guess what? He found Russell Wilson, right? And... That was all she wrote, right? Like, they've been really good since then, right? When you look at these new new head coaches that have been hired in the NFL over the past few years, who's the best one? Matt LaFleur. You know why? Because he has the best quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Right? So it's really black and white. If In the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, then you can't win football games. Simple as that. Now, Jonathan, like, what does this have to do with basketball? Right? Like, Doc Rivers has, you know, a, a top three player in the world in, in Kawhi Leonard, and you're right. He does. But here's the thing superstars are not hard to come by in today's NBA, right? Like, you look all over the league, you know, excluding maybe teams like Charlotte, you know, who lost Kemba, and, you know, teams like that, you know, who are in the bottom, bottom tier, you know, teams like uh, the Pistons uh, up up in Detroit. So, at the end of the day, like, when you're coaching these top-tier teams, it's not about who your best player is. It's about who your second-best player is, right? So, let's look at Michael Jordan, you know, the GOAT, greatest player to ever play basketball. You know, was really good in the playoffs and everything, but didn't start winning his championships until Scottie Pippen showed up, right? Because it's not about your one, it's about your two. Who is your number two, right? We, we look at, you know, Phil Jackson, right? Like one of the, maybe the greatest basketball coach ever, right? You know, look at him, you know, obviously, you know, when he when he came to Chicago, they already had Pippen and Jordan, but, you know, when he, when he goes to L.A., you know, originally you know, he's got Shaq and Kobe. And they're, they're winning titles because he's got, you know, maybe the most dominant player ever. And Shaquille O'Neal underneath just dominating players. And then he's, his number two is Kobe, right? Another one of the greatest players to ever play, right? And then Shaq leaves, retires or whatever. And it's just Kobe, right? And then they kind of have a lull, right? Like they don't win their, their next championship again until 2009, like five years. And what happens? They went and got Paul Gasol, a really good number two, right? And it's like this isn't on Doc Rivers. Like the the Clippers' failure is not on Doc Rivers. It's on Paul George, who was just bad, right? Like I don't know if it was the bubble, but when you look at his, you know, when you look at his playoff career, he hadn't always he hadn't been good in the playoffs, right? You know, let's let's look at the other good team in the West. You know, the Lakers. I mean, Frank Vogel was fired from Indiana when you had Paul George because Paul George just wasn't great in the playoffs, right? And we have this idea that Paul George is just some ridiculously good player because, you know, he was good, you know, around in the early 2010s with Indiana when they played Miami. And he wasn't even the reason why they were tough on Miami. The, re- the reason they were tough on Miami back then is because Roy Hibbert was patrolling the paint and he made it hard on guys like Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch and LeBron James to finish around the rim. Right and yeah, like you know, he carried the load offensively, but still, like his playoff career hasn't been great, right? And and sp- speaking of LeBron, like he's another guy who who didn't win until he went and found a number two, right? You know, his number two in Cleveland, you know, the first time he was there wasn't very good, right? And then he goes to Miami, where he plays with Dwayne Wade, you know, a, probably a top fifty player of all time, and they start winning, and they they win titles, right? And then from there, he goes to he goes back to Cleveland. Where he has Kyrie Irving who's head case, kinda weird, flat earth dude, you know, but at the end of the day, that dude can close basketball games, right? And he's clutch, and you know that, you know, with two minutes left, if he has the ball, then then you're gonna be okay. Right? So that's what it's all about. It's all about having your number two and you're like, Well, Jonathan, what about the start of his the Doc Rivers start in LA, right? We had Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan and and uh Blake Griffin and those guys really good team, no doubt, really good team, but you only want to tell me that Blake Griffin is on the same level of number twos as Dwayne Wade or Anthony Davis or let me think Jalen Brown even like you you can't tell me that right like you know Blake Griffin really talented, you know he's got all the highlights from the start of his career just being you know so athletic and everything, and he was a good player. But you know he's a he's a B, right? You know Paul George is a B plus. You know we we talk about the same thing in in Milwaukee, right? You know Chris Middleton just isn't a good enough two for the Bucks to get over the hump. You know, as great as Giannis is, like if your number two isn't you know an A minus and your one isn't an A plus, then you are just not gonna compete for championships, right? Like when you look at the Lakers, A plus A plus. Now the Heat are the complete and total anomaly here, right? Because that's what you are saying, like well Jonathan you know, Jimmy Butler's, like, an A-minus player. And, you know, Bam Adebayo's, like, a B-plus player, even though I will say I think Bam is better than Jimmy Butler. But that's a topic for, for another day. And, you know, Tyler Hero's, like, a B. And Duncan Robinson's like, a B. Well, when your team is B's all the way throughout, like, you can still compete. Especially in a year as weird as this, you know, I firmly believe that if the playoffs are normal, that they don't beat Milwaukee. Just going on the road in Milwaukee, really hard to do. Anyway, that's, once again, topic for another day, right? So, I was running through different places where he could go and everything like that. and So, apparently, Houston's pushing really hard for Doc Rivers. Like, they really want him, which is would be an interesting fit if I was Doc Rivers. That's the last place I would go. The only place I would go if I was Doc Rivers is, is Philly, you know, because they've got Joel Embiid and they've got Ben Simmons. And, you know, he's sitting at his house somewhere in Malibu-like, you know, if I can just get Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to buy in, I could get back to the finals. Right? Because, you know, the East seems like it's wide open because it doesn't look like the Bucks are going to move off of Middleton anytime soon. And they're not going to have the cap space to go and sign another guy. Right? You know, the Celtics look good. You know, the Raptors are going to be tough, but they don't really have a star. So the East is pretty much wide open. Like, you got to you, you got to contend with Miami. Miami. And, you know, Toronto's always a battle. And then Boston. Like those are kind of your three teams, whereas the West is much, much more crowded, right? And wouldn't it be great if Doc Rivers went to the East and then beat the Clippers in the finals? I think that'd be that'd be the greatest storyline ever. I could talk about that for forever. So that's only the only place for him that I would go. Now the question is for the Clippers, like, who do they hire? Right? Well, front runner, no doubt, has to be Mike Dantoni, one of the best offensive coaches we've ever seen in the NBA. Other guys, you know, Tyron Lou who I think would be a good fit. You know, he's very, you know, level-headed. He's kind of always the same. I think players would like to play for a guy like that. And then Mark Jackson, you know, he hasn't coached since Golden State. I think he could be a good fit. You know, he's he's a really good coach. And so those are kind of the three guys that I think LA could go get. Philly, please call Doc Rivers. I want to see them. I want to see him beat the the Clippers in in the NBA Finals. I just think that that'd be awesome. All right? And then so tonight, at eight o'clock, the Heat and Lakers play Game One. All right, and if if you miss the show on Monday, I put my my stake in the ground on my. The Lakers aren't the best team. <laughs> the Lakers aren't the best team in the NBA. Kill, and I pick the Heat in six because I'm smart enough to know that if it goes seven, LeBron will win that game. Right. So there's just so many different things in this series that I'm so excited to see. Right, so I want to see how the Lakers try, try to counter the zone, right? I want to see how the Heat rebound when they're in the zone because that's one of the tough things about running a zone, right? Is you know when you're matched up man to man, like you know, like I'm boxing, like if Bam out of guarding AD, then he knows, like, okay, like I'm boxing AD out, right? Whereas you know when you're in a zone, that doesn't really happen as much, so because you know obviously you know you're spread out and things like that, but you know the Lakers shooting isn't. Great, you know, maybe, you know, Danny Green. And outside of that, they got a bunch of average three point shooters. And so I want to see kinda how they counter the zone. And at the same time, you gotta remember, you know, they got LeBron James, one of the smartest players in the NBA, right? So I wanna see kinda how they counter the zone. I wanna see which defenders they run at LeBron, who who guards LeBron the most. I wanna see the BAM, the BAM out of bio, Anthony Davis matchup is gonna be so good. Like obviously, like Anthony Davis better player, without a doubt, but Bam's a really good defender. You know, with his length, I think he could give Davis some problems, especially because he's really quick as well. So I kind of want to see how that matchup pans out. I want to see Miami's attack on offense. I want to see if the Lakers play with the two bigs. I want to see how Miami counters to that. Like, there's just so many things in this series that are so interesting to me because there's just so many different ways that that they could go, right? So, yes, yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited for the series. I think it's going to be really good. I'm ready to see, you know, Duncan Robinson has become one of my favorite players to watch just because he's just an absolute marksman, you know, maybe the third best shooter in the world behind Clay and Steph. And he's just, he's really good. And, yeah, so that's going to do it here for the first segment. Um, this is Overtime Takes. You're listening on KSWH LP 102.5 FM The Pulse here in Arcadia. Coming up next, we're going to talk some college football going into this weekend. After that, we're going to have some NFL. We're going to talk about the Monday night football game and things like that. Should be really good, so make sure you stick around for that. Uh, I'm going to be ranking you know, the top 10 teams in the NFL. This was something that I did a lot last year that I decided to bring back. Didn't really know if I was going to do it this year, but ended up... Opting to do it. So, once again, this is KSWH LP 102.5 FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia, and you're listening to Overtime Takes. And we're back with more Overtime Takes here on KSWH LP 102.5 FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. Moving on to some college football. So, this weekend, there are two games that just jump off the page whenever you look at the matchups, right? So, they're in the SEC because the SEC is where the best football is played. That and, you know, the Big 12. I mean, until Oklahoma plays Texas, I don't, you're not really going to circle too, too many games out there. pac is not playing. Big 10 isn't back yet. ACC, I mean, maybe Miami-Clemson. You know, when they if they play at some point this year, may, you'll probably circle that game. But outside of that, a lot of our big games, especially early in the season, are going to come from the SEC and this week does not disappoint in the slightest, right? So first game that I saw is we've got Texas A&M playing Alabama. So I'm I like Texas A&M this year. You know, if you were here if you were able to listen on Monday, then you know that I like I like A&M. Like they've got the talent, you know, they've recruited really well these past few years. They should be able to compete with teams like Alabama and LSU and Florida and Georgia, right? So they definitely have the talent to do that. Jimbo Fisher's a really good head coach. So, Alabama's a 17-point favorite coming in, coming into this game, which is just really high, right? And here's here's what happened, right? Everybody saw Texas A&M beat Vandy 17-12, to 12, right? People were like, oh, I don't really, you know, like they only scored 17 on Vanderbilt, and, you know, they didn't look very good, and Colin Mon struggled, and yada, 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 like, you gotta watch the game, right? You know, if you just look, look at you know the scoreboard, then I mean it's, you know, because you, you can dominate a team and only win by five. Like it, it happens, right? Like we saw that on Monday night. You know, like we saw that with with the with the Chiefs and the Ravens. So Texas A and M, I I don't think they win. Let me let make that clear. But I do think that people are overreacting to their to their lack of a dominant win over Vanderbilt, right? So they fumbled the ball 5 times against Vanderbilt and lost 3 of them. I guarantee you that doesn't happen for the rest of the year. No way that they fumble 5 times cuz cuz they they went into practice this week and they did I guarantee you they did a bunch of ball protection drills and things of that nature cuz they obviously like you know you fumble the ball 5 times in one game then you know you're you're in trouble. That's not that's not what you want to do, you know? So and Jimbo's a really good, really good coach. You know, you know this is, you know, Nick Saban's never lost to a former assistant of his. And wouldn't be surprised at all if this was the first time. And, like, they're, it's going to be close. I really think that, you know, A&M has a shot to beat them. You know, they're ranked in the top 15 in the country for a reason. It's because they're really good at what they do, right? And Jimbo Fisher's a really good head coach, as I've said three times now. So, you know, Nick Saban, obviously, still going to do his thing. St- still the best coach in the country. They looked really good week one against Missouri. You know, they didn't really need the, the tune-up that, you know, they usually get against, you know, the Citadel or Eastern Michigan Community College <laughs> or anybody like that, right? So, they looked really good. Then again, you know, they did play Missouri, so a lot of teams are going to look good against Missouri this year. So, it's it's one it's one that I'm so excited for and I'm that's one game that I'll, I'll watch every minute of it. And then later that night, we have a top 10 matchup. We have number 4 Georgia taking on number 7 Auburn. <clears throat> and Georgia's only a 7 point favorite, which I think in part is due to the lack of a dominant first half against Arkansas. Obviously, you know they 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 turned things around in the second half and ended up, you know, blowing them out, but I think George is going to absolutely dominate Auburn. I don't think the game's going to be close. Okay, I'm not sure on the status of JT Daniels. I'm going to get my IT guys on that. And so we'll see. We'll see I'll I'll let y'all know kind of when when I know if he's going to be, you know, the starter this week cuz I think it's obvious that, you know, the the freshman that they played last week Very talented, just not quite ready yet. The guy that they brought in after was good, not great. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw JT Daniels, right? So I I hope we see him because he's really good. And so he is cleared to play against Auburn. So we will see JT Daniels this week. And he's, yeah, So which that's what they need. You know, they need a guy who can, you know, throw the ball downfield. They need, that's kind of what they were missing last week, especially in the first half. Right, I think that you know as the season progresses, they'll cl- clean up the penalties and things of that nature, because you know, that's, that's the thing that killed them last week against Arkansas was was all these penalties, right? And you know, I was watching Auburn, you know, this last week, and they just didn't really impress me. The defense is solid, but then again, they did play Kentucky, who's a good football team, but nowhere close to the level of Auburn, or excuse me, nowhere close to the level of Georgia, and. You know, so much of you know Auburn's offense didn't look great. You know they had you know the receiver number 18. I'm blanking on his name, who's really good. You know, top five receiver in the SEC. Guy can go up and get it, but they're playing against the maybe the best defense in the country, out of Georgia. And they're Georgia's so deep. You know, they got four and five stars behind their five stars. Like it's it's ridiculous how good they are. So just with the rotation of fresh bodies and things of that nature, I I just don't see a way that Auburn really keeps it close. You know, I don't. I don't think they break 20 points because I just, you know, as as an Arkansas fan, you know, I saw the Chad Morris offense, and it's not very good, just to put it bluntly. And so I think that, you know, Auburn really struggles. You know, Gus Miles going to yell at Chad Morris a lot, which I know is what all the Arkansas fans out there want to hear. And I'm interested to see, you know, how, how JT Daniels looks, you know, because he was the number three rated quarterback coming out in 2018. And, you know, he's... He's good, you know. I mean, he was, he was number three in that 2018 class behind Justin Fields, who's an NFL quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence. You know, like those are probably going to be the first two quarterbacks taken off the board, right? So, I mean, look, like the 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 kid's obviously really talented. You know, Kenny put it together. I hope so. I think he's, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be what Georgia needs. And you know, they've got this new offense as well, and they're trying to. You know, they're trying to get more familiarized with that. And, you know, with having, you know, an, an extra week of practice and after playing in a live game, I think that'll help. So, yeah, I, those are kind of the two games that I've got circled on my calendar for this Saturday. Obviously, I'm going to watch the hog game, play Mississippi State. We'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm not really looking forward to it because Mississippi State is going to throw the ball all over the field. But, yeah, so that's going to do it here for this segment. Coming up, we've got the NFL for the rest of the way, and then we may talk a little baseball at the end depending on how much time we have left. So yeah, this has been Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM, The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. Don't go anywhere. A lot of NFL stuff, a lot of Lamar Jackson, a lot of Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be really good stuff, so make sure you don't miss it. And, yeah, it's going to be good. You know, we're really going to go into the Monday night game. So I'll see you all back here in one minute. What's up, everybody? We are back with more overtime takes here on KSWH LP one hundred two point five FM, the Pulse here in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. So yeah, so we're now gonna go into our NFL portion of the show. I'm really excited for this. So obviously, we got to talk about the game Monday night. Kansas City Chiefs handily beat the Ravens thirty-four to twenty. Right, outscored them twenty-eight to ten in the first half, and then sealed it with a with a touchdown in the fourth quarter late. Game wasn't as close as the score would say, you know. Coming in, you know, the Ravens were about a, a three-point favorite, and then we saw what happened. So, you know, I heard a take a, a couple days ago, or I guess yesterday after <laughs> after the game on Monday, and you know, the guy was was talking about how it reminds him so much of the Packers versus Forty ers game last year. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, this this guy's right, right? So, Packers go thirteen and three. And, you know, we're kind of like, yeah, like like the Packers look good. Like they went 13-3. and But you can't really unsee the game they played against the 49ers when the game was over at the end of the first quarter. Right? And it's really hard to kind of unsee what we saw on Monday night. The Chiefs just looked better. You know, like this Ravens defense is really good. Top five defense in the NFL. And Patrick Mahomes just picked them apart. Right? And, you know, the Chiefs defense is... I'd say it's average. You know, they've got a really good pass rusher in Chris Jones, and, you know, they've got, you know, Tyron Matthew, who's a playmaker in the secondary, and they're just really, like, they're average, right? And they struggled to move the ball. And here's why they struggled to move the ball, right? So when you look at it, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are like quarters and nickels, right? So if you take a quarter and you take a nickel, and you put them about 30 feet away, they're going to look really similar, right? Obviously, you know, same color, obviously, same shape, obviously, but but like the size looks really similar, right? And if you had to like pick which one one was the quarter, I mean, you know, you you have a 50-50 shot, but it's not easy to be like, yeah, like that's clearly the quarter I can tell because of the size, whereas like if you put a quarter by a dime, you're like, yeah, like that's clearly the quarter because it's so much bigger, right? But you know, I we've all had the feeling of, like, going through change, trying to find something, and you pull out a nickel think, thinking it's a thinking it's a quarter. It happens to me all the time. I don't know about y'all. But then again, who really uses change? I'm probably the only one who does that. So, <laughs> so, so, start, so, from afar, you know, they look really similar, right? Like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, both Super Bowl contending quarterbacks, okay? Just like quarter and nickel, both silver, both round, both bigger, right and but when you examine them closely like it becomes clear like this is clearly a quarter this is clearly a nickel right and that that's what happened on monday night we got lamar jackson and patrick mahomes on the same field and we we saw patrick mahomes clearly a quarter clearly worth more clearly better clearly the thing i would want to use right and then you got lamar jackson who's clearly the nickel now i'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is five times better than Lamar Jackson, but the gap is there. I think it was pretty pretty clear on Monday night that Patrick Mahomes is much better than Lamar Jackson, right? And I think that you know, I've been one of the more hesitant people on Lamar Jackson just because of his I'm not going to say inability to throw the football, but he's definitely not as talented of a passer as guys like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson—you know those three guys especially. So I've got—I think all three of those guys are better than than Lamar Jackson, and I think that it's pretty clear to see that, you know, on, on Monday night. And so my my biggest problem with the Ravens, and this directly correlates to Lamar Jackson, is they can't play from behind. Right. So when you're a team that loves to run the football as much as they do right cuz that's what they are they're a run first football team okay they're very creative in how they you know do that and how they block and how they pull guards and and everything and obviously you know Lamar Jackson's one of the most electric runners in football you know and and so they they're definitely you know a run first football team and then so when they get stuck you know when they're down by you know 10 points and they have to throw the football they struggle, right, because as good as Lamar Jackson is, he's just not a very natural thrower of the football, right? And you watch him, and I think that that becomes pretty clear. You know, like his arm motion just doesn't look like Rodgers or Wilson or Mahomes. Like he's just not a natural thrower, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's plenty of guys who I wouldn't say are natural throwers in the NFL, right? Like, you know, Dak Prescott, like good quarterback, doesn't look like Wilson or Mahomes or Rodgers. Not very many people look like Wilson, Mahomes or Rodgers, right? So with that being said, like this this isn't uh I'm trashing Lamar Jackson. Like once once again, like I want to make it clear, like Lamar Jackson is a very good quarterback and the Ravens are going to win a lot of football games this year. Like they're gonna beat a lot of teams, probably going to go thirteen and three, fourteen and two kind of thing. And so I just want to make like that clear that like I'm not out on Lamar Jackson. I'm just saying Patrick, The gap between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes is pretty big, right? But the gap between Patrick Mahomes and everybody else in the league is big, outside of maybe, you know, Russell Wilson, right? So, yeah, I just had to make that clear. I don't want people being like, this dude doesn't think Lamar Jackson's a good quarterback. No, he's a good quarterback, just not as good as guys like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, back, back to the game. So as I was saying, you know, Ravens can't really play from behind because Lamar Jackson is just not a great throw of the football. He's good, works really well off play action when you can get him outside the pocket and on bootlegs and things like that, where he has the option to run or pass, right? Because that's where he's the most dangerous, right? Is when you know he has this this opportunity, you know, to to run, because that's he's what he's really good at. You know, I think he's a better runner than he is a throw of the football, and that's not a shot at his ability to throw the football. That's just he's a he's really good in the open field. You know, he's one of the most. Elusive guys to tackle in the league, and he's really good at that, right? So, the Ravens defense didn't look very good, and which this just speaks to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. You know, if you were here on Monday, you know, Moose and I were talking about how great he is, you know, and how he's probably going to go down as the greatest quarterback ever by the time it's all said and done, just because of the talent and just because of the arm talent. He's with Andy Reid, who should hopefully win a few more Super Bowls, just because. He has Patrick Mahomes, and he's probably the best offensive play caller and designer in football. You know, him or Sean Payton or Kyle Shanahan is definitely one of those three guys. But so kind of between that, like they're going to win a lot of Super Bowls and they're going to be really good. But they just made the Ravens' defense look average. No no sacks allowed, which is a big thing because the Ravens get after the quarterback just as good as almost anybody in the NFL. So, you know, having the offensive line to protect Mahomes is huge you know that's something that you know that they they have to have and it's something that they've had so far this year. You know, they're doing a really good job of keeping him clean. Clyde e- Clyde edwards alaire has been really good out of the backfield for them. They're turning around, they're actually handing him the ball, which is you know, when you when you're a team like the Chiefs, you know, you could just throw it, you know, 60 times a game like your Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs, but they don't cuz I think that speaks to how much they trust Clyde 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 edwards alaire He's really, you know, he's a tough runner. You know, he does a really good job of running behind his pads. And for a small guy, like, he picks up those extra two or three yards after contact pretty consistently, which is impressive for a guy, you know, who's 5'8 and is getting hit by guys who are 6'4", 260, right? So I like him. You know, he's great out of the backfield catching passes too. You can tell he's got good hands. Tyreek Hill is still ridiculously good. And I know what you're saying. Like, Jonathan, like, I see what you are saying, but you know they only lost you know thirty four to twenty. Like two touchdowns, no big deal. Looks really good in the second half. Here is the thing, though: you you take away the kickoff return for a touchdown in the first half that that the Ravens had, it becomes thirty four to thirteen, which is an absolute blowout, and they they would have outscored Kansas City would have outscored Baltimore twenty eight to three in the first half, right? And then the second half, you you take your foot off the gas. You are not throwing the ball as much. You are turning around. You are handing the ball off things of that nature, right? And you know, Lamar Jackson only threw for 97 yards, which is just terrible. <laughs> it's bad. Like it's bad. I don't know how else to really kind of put that, especially against you know, the Chiefs whose secondary isn't great, right? And, you know, they've got a few guys who are good. You know, they got Chris Jones on the defensive line who's going to consistently get pressure, but I mean, you you got to you got to throw the ball better. <laughs> you have to you got to throw the ball better and you know, maybe it's they need to decide to receive first when, when they play the Chiefs, so they can get out they can get out, then try and score and go up 7-0 So they they can run the football and they can play their style of football a little bit more. But what do I know? I'm just a college sportscaster. So that's gonna do it for this segment. When we come back, we're gonna do look at our or my top ten NFL teams. You're listening to overtime takes on KSWH LP one oh two point five FM the Pulse here in Arkadelphia. So, now, I will be unveiling my top 10 NFL teams. If you're just now tuning in, this is Overtime Takes on KSWH LP two point five FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. I'm the host, Jonathan Smith. Top 10 NFL teams, kicking it off at number 10. I'm excited. I, I miss doing this segment. This is something I did a lot last year, and it was one of the things where I was like, should I do it this year, or should I focus more on news and things like that, but... I just drop opinions anyway, so we're going I'm I'm going to bring it back every week cuz this is my favorite thing to do. So, here we go. Number 10, I have the Tennessee Titans. You know, they're 3-0. This stat is just bizarre and it really kind of upsets upsets me cuz I, I picked them last week. But they're 3-0 in on the season, but they're 0 and 3 against the spread. Meaning that, like they haven't covered once. And I had them I had them covering last week and they didn't, which is really upsetting and very bizarre cuz that doesn't happen very often. So, the thing that I really like about Tennessee is they have an identity, right? They are tough, they play good defense, and they run the football better than anybody but Baltimore, probably. And Tannehill looks really good in the offense, you know. Um, Mike Vrabels, uh, you know, their, their head coach, has done a really good job with him, just kind of keeping him in an area where he can do well, right? And it, when you look at his time in Miami. The year that they went eleven and five and made the playoffs, and then he got hurt. They ran the football really well, right? And that's what you have to do with a quarterback who isn't, who isn't, you know, Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, you know, guys who aren't, you know, in that class. You you need to be able to run the football well, right? And you know, it it keeps the ball out of their hands. It lets them work off a of play action. And you know they do a really good job with letting Tannehill be athletic. You know people forget. You know he he played receiver in college, so he can move. Like he's he's an athletic dude, and I think they're doing a really good job with him, and just in that system, right. So up next, number nine, we've got the Los Angeles Rams. So I feel like I should like them more than I do, but you know I think they've looked good, not great, and I just don't know why I don't like them more. I just I think that the thing for me is like they don't do any one thing great. You know, like the defense is good. You know, Aaron Donald obviously is a great player, but the pass rush is good. The secondary is good. The linebackers are average. You know, and then, you know, you look at their offense. You know, Jared Goff is good. The passing attack is good. They run the ball well, but they're not great at it. Like, they're just kind of good everywhere. And I don't really want good, I want great. You know, and really good teams have one area where they're great. Like, right? Like um, the Baltimore Ravens, they are a they're great at running the football. The Kansas City Chiefs, they are great at throwing the football. Um, the Buccaneers are great on defense, and they have great weapons, and they're great at throwing the football, and the Seahawks are great at throwing the football, and so on and so forth. And I just don't see any of that greatness with the Rams. You know, that's the one thing that you know they're really kind of missing. Like They don't have anything that just like when you look at the Rams, you say they're great at this one thing. They just don't really have that. So I, that's why I have them at 9. I think that they, they need to trade for something. Maybe it's, I don't know, I don't know what really what they need. Just like I said, like they're good all around, but they're not great anywhere. They don't have that punch, right, that, you know, teams like the Chiefs and the Packers and the Ravens do. All right. so number eight, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've been high on them all year. I've been right on them, right? All these teams have written them off. And when you look at last year, they go 8-8 eight eight with Mason Rudolph at the helm. They bring back Big Ben. You knew that they'd be better just because of that Chase Claypool is going to be really good. You know, he, that's that's my hot take for the year that he wins a uh, offensive rookie of the year. So, I've been on him from the jump. They have the best front seven in the league. You know, they get pressure with four guys, you know, led by TJ Watt, and they're the man, that's that's what they do great. they they get consistent pressure on the quarterback. They do that great, right? They they rush four, they can drop seven. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. He needs more credit. You know, the offense is inconsistent. That's why I don't have him higher. Big Ben needs to be a little bit better. I think they need to run the ball better, which, you know, there's, it's early in the season, right? So, like, stuff's going to change. And, you know, hopefully, you know, m- maybe they need a trade for, I don't know, an offensive guard or something to kind of help get a push so that they can run the football better, especially, you know, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, Big, Big Ben's getting older. His arm's not fading like Breeze and Brady quite yet. But, you know, maybe they need, you know, some kind of good run-blocking guard to kind of help them run the football better because that's – ultimately like that's what Pittsburgh does that's what i think they they need to be doing especially at this point in big Ben's career so yeah that's Pittsburgh at eight number seven I've got the new England patriots you know they're 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 coached really well they don't have anybody who can really go over the top they they need to make a trade for for a guy like o b j you know who can stretch the field and stretch defenses but you know they've looked really good the defense is always with with Belichick is really good and yeah, so they they just need a, a deep threat of some sort, and they'll definitely shoot up my list. But they've looked really good. I think they surprised, they they surprised me, which I don't know why they do at this point. Like they're the Patriots, they're always going to be good. So next at number six, another team from the AFC East, Buffalo Bills. Uh, they have one of the best defenses in the league with a great defensive head coach, and Josh Allen looks really good. You know, completing over seventy percent of his passes. You know, he led the the game winning touchdown drive this last week with. Aaron Donald in his face, it would seem seemed like the whole way down downfield. And you know, they can just beat you multiple ways. I think Josh Allen's at a point now where you can – I mean, we saw it on Sunday. We can give him the ball be like, hey, you, two minutes or three minutes or whatever it was, go win us the football game. And he can do that, right? They also have a great defense. They can hold you to 13 points and, you know, let's say Josh Allen has a bad game, which it's going to come at some point and people are going to freak out and be like, oh, this is the Josh Allen that we know. And it's going to be like he had one bad game. It happens. You know, Tom Brady had a bad game to start the season. Right? So it's going to happen at some point. But when that happens, their defense is good enough to to pick up the slack and they run the football well. You know, they they do a good job of controlling the line of scrimmage. And so I really like Buffalo. You know, they'll probably continue to move up my list as Josh Allen continues to prove it because I still want to see a little bit more from him kind of as the season progresses. So next at number five, Seahawks. And simply because they have Russell Wilson and 31 other teams don't. (laughs) <laughs> and he's been really good this year. They're, they're letting Russ be Russ. They're letting Russ cook. You know, that's the hashtag or whatever. But the defense is terrible. The The defensive line's the worst in the league. They need to make a trade to go and get some kind of edge rusher or some kind of dominant defensive tackle or something. Because that's really what they're missing, right? You know, if they add that. It, their secondary will improve just because they have a guy who can get after the passer, right? And so they don't have to, you know, guard these great wide receivers for as long, right? So that's really kind of what they're missing. They need a pass rusher who can who can get after the quarterback. If they do that, they'll probably jump into my top four. So top four are the teams that are contenders, teams that can definitely win the whole thing. So number four, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they're the second-best team in the NFC. And, you know, I've, I've said it from the beginning. like Their defense is going to be really good, and it has been. Their linebackers are so fast. And that front four is so good with Nadamka and Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul and guys who can get after the quarterback. So I think you know a key to having a really good defense in the NFL is is the ability to get pressure with four and drop seven, right? Because obviously it's harder harder to complete a pass when you have three seconds to throw as opposed to four, and and you've got you know to beat seven defenders as opposed to six or five if if the opposing in teams blitzing, right? So. That they run the ball well. Leonard Fournette's going to continue to get more carries as he kind of figures out the offense. Tom Brady's kind of starting to settle in. You know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are really good. Gronk looks really good. He lo- he's just the best he looked in a while. I think the year off for him is is big for him. OJ Howard has looked really good. I keep going. You know, Tom Brady just has so many weapons on that offense that they're going to put up points. And they they're a lot of fun to watch too. Like they they're so much fun to watch. So yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at four. Coming in at number three, the Ravens. Like, don't overreact to Monday Night Football. That's what we do, right? You know, the the Raiders beat the Saints and we're like, Oh, the Raiders are great. No, the Raiders are gonna be good. And they're gonna be average to above average kind of thing. So yeah. Ravens at three, you know, Lamar Jackson's still really good. You know, they're still gonna run the football. They're probably gonna end up like thirteen and three, fourteen and two, somewhere in there. Wouldn't surprise me if they ended up at like fifteen and one. But I, I do think that they'll they'll drop one to the Steelers just because of how good that Steelers defense is, especially that front seven. But, yeah, so still I still really like the Ravens. They're still really good. They're still probably going to end up playing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So, yeah, Ravens at three. Number two, you probably think I have this team too high. But I'm telling you, I don't. I think this is the best team in the NFC. You know, offense is really good. Defense is really good. The Green Bay Packers. Haven't turned the ball over once this season. Aaron Rodgers is is out for blood. He's tearing everybody up. You know, we saw it on Sunday Night Football the way they tore up the Saints with no Devontae Adams against a good defense in New Orleans, right? So Aaron Rodgers is out for blood, and you know they've got maybe the best running back in the NFL, and Aaron Jones, a guy they can turn around and hand it off to. Offensive line has been good. Defense has been good. You know they got Zadarius Smith, who's a great pass rusher. You know and you know, they are, they're so much more physical than they were last year. I think Matt LaFleur has taken a step. They're so much better in the second half this year than they were last year. And, you know, I mean, that comes with experience, right? And it's his second year, you know, with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is more comfortable in the system. And it seems like Rodgers actually likes Matt LaFleur, unlike Mike, Car- Mike McCarthy. And so, yeah, I just i like the Packers. I do think they're, they're the best team in the NFC. For just from what I've seen, I think you know, they're playing the Lions this week, I believe, and the Lions are better than what people think. So, I think we'll learn a little bit more about them there. So, yeah, I I really like this Packers team. I I do think they're the best team in the NFC. So, number one, I do I really have to say it? Kansas City saw it on Monday night, best quarterback coach combo in the league. They they can, they can outscore anybody, you know. In my notes, I said they can score with anybody, but they can outscore anybody. That's really the tr- just the, tr- the simple truth of the matter. Defense has been good, you know. They have the the elite pass rusher that you need, and Chris Jones in order to to win, you know the the whole thing. And so, you know, Tyron Matthew on the back end is a playmaker, a guy who's really good. You know, he he can guard, he can he can guard tight ends. I'll give him that. He can guard tight ends. So. That's been my top 10. There's some – I just – I feel like there's some – I feel like I'm missing a, a team or two, which is really weird. Usually I'm pretty confident on this. But, you know, eight down, I always feel really good. It's just, you know, nine down really. You know, I just – that 10 spot is just so hard to pick people. But let's be honest. You guys don't care about who the 10th best team in the NFL is. You really just want to know who the who the, the Super Bowl contenders are. Because that's what, that's what matters, right? Like, that's what we watch the, the regular season for. So – that's gonna do it for this segment. You know we'll be back here in a couple minutes where we go over the bets of the week. I had a solid, so, eh, it was an okay week last week. So this is Overtime Takes on KSWHLP one hundred two point five FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. You're listening to Overtime Takes. We'll be back here in about one minute. And we're back with more Overtime Takes on KSWH LP one hundred two point five FM The Pulse here in Arcadia. So to close out today's show, we're going over the bets of the week. I went two and three last week, which is kind of frustrating, you know, especially with you know the the Bills game. Th- thought I had that one locked up. Titans one, but didn't cover, which is really frustrating. <laughs> which is you know it's, it's it's okay. I was close, you know, you know two and three, not bad. But I want to make y'all money, not not lose y'all money. So this week, tough picks this week. You know, I didn't really there weren't. There's there's one that I was like, yeah, I really like this one. But everything else after that was like, this one's good, not great. Right? So, number one, Seahawks-Dolphins. Seahawks are a 6.5 point favorite over the Dolphins. Seahawks covering win, 42-31. Clearly better. You know, they've got Russell Wilson, you know, against a a good Dolphins secondary. You know, but the problem is the Dolphins still have too too much of a pass rush. And that's what they need, you know. That's the one. That's the one thing that I think Miami really needs to go out and get this off season. So you know, when you give Russell Wilson time, like he's just he's gonna pick you apart. And I'm interested to see how their defense holds up because it is they are playing against Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is very, very up and down. I want to see how you know Devonte Parker plays. You know, he's a really good receiver that nobody talks about. You know, kind of on that Keenan Allen level where. They're really good, and we're like, you know, we should talk about this guy more, but they're not on the level of guys like Julio Jones and p- people like that. So, yeah, that's is, that's is pick number one. That one I feel really good about. So, yeah, so once again, Seahawks, 6.5-point favorite, covering win 42-31. to 31. Next, so the Bills are a 3-point favorite over the Raiders, and I think people are still kind of riding on that. Monday night football high where we saw the Raiders beat the Saints who clearly aren't as good as what people thought they were going to be. So the Bills are a 3-point favorite. This was a pretty easy pick all in all. So Bills win th- Bills win and cover 38-27. I think Derek Carr is really going to struggle against this defense. I like Josh Allen, you know, this defense is the defense of the Raiders is is good, not great. Not too too much of a pass rush which I think is how you get to a guy like Josh Allen, right? So I really like I, re- I really like this one as well. Once again, Bills cover and win 38-27. And yeah, I, I, this Bills team is for real. Like they are they are so good. I if Josh Allen keeps playing like this, they they're, they're going to move up on my my top 10 list every week. So yeah. So this Sunday, we got the Chiefs and the Patriots. So I think the Patriots cover but lose. So the Chiefs are six and a half, or the Patriots are six six and a half point underdog. If I could speak, that would that would really help the segment. <laughs> and so, Patriots cover, but lose thirty four twenty eight. Just with the way that New England plays, they're going to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. They're going to hold the ball for thirty five to forty minutes, which keeps Mahomes on the sideline. And they've proven that they can move the football. You know, Cam Newton's just such a tough cover because he's so athletic, and you know his. He's improved in terms of throwing the football and being accurate this year. So I I really wish, you know, they'd make a trade and go get a guy like Odell Beckham or somebody like that who can stretch the field because I really think that that's what they're missing from being, like, a a, a contender. So, yeah, so Patriots cover but lose 34-28. I I like this one, too. Uh, But at the same – no, I don't like this one. This one's rough. (laughs) Because, you know, like, it is the Chiefs, and the Chiefs could go out and hang 35 on them right and but that's the thing with the patriots though like the secondary is good hasn't played up to its potential yet this year but you know could possibly give you know the the chiefs some problems they the patriots get pressure with 4 which is so important in today's NFL and especially in beating a, especially to beat a guy like Patrick Mahomes you have to get pressure with 4 If you can't get pressure with 4 then you're screwed because he was like 17 for 20 on Monday night football with three touchdowns against the blitz so you, you can't blitz the guy And I think we saw it, you know, in the Super Bowl last year. You know, the 49ers split, rushed four, and got pressure. And he struggled the first three and a half quarters. Right? You know, and they're a deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders away from winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah. So, Patriots cover but lose uh, 34-28. Next one, Packers are a seven-point favorite over the Falcons. And, yeah, this one wasn't hard. So, Packers cover and win 38-28. The Falcons are just... They're just known for blowing leads, I guess. You know, they, they, they cave. You know, it's they, they just can't hold on to a lead. It seems like, and that's just because their defense is bad, and their defense, especially their pass defense, like their secondary's horrendous. Okay, like that. That secondary's one of the worst in the NFL. So, yeah, it's it's this pick wasn't hard. You know, Packers covering win thirty eight twenty eight, not really close. Next one. Buccaneers Chargers, Buccaneers are a seven-point favorite. Buccaneers cover and win 35-24. I think Tom Brady has a big week. You know, the Chargers defense is good, but I don't know if they really have the secondary to to, to cover all these weapons that the Buccaneers have on their offense. So, yeah, it's – yeah. So, 35-24. Plus, Justin Herbert, young quarterback against this really good defense. And I I think he struggles this week. I'm not – yeah. So, 35-24. Give me the Buccaneers. So, for the last few minutes here, we're going to talk baseball playoffs. Because it's, it's playoff season, so, you know, we we got to talk about it. Playoff baseball is so unique. And just, like, the contrast from the regular season to the postseason. You know, like, a, a, every football game is similar. Like, obviously, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, the playoff games, you know, it's a little louder, but all in all, Really similar atmosphere, you know. It's probably it's definitely taking up a couple of notches, but like baseball, you know, you go to like a regular season game, it's on like a one, and then you show up in the postseason, it's like a ten, right? You know, towel waving, fans screaming, and you know, yesterday was day one. It looks really good, you know. The Astros are up one zero on the Twins, which is a big deal because it's best two out of three, which is a terrible idea. Like I just can't, I hate it. You know, they're calling it the the quote wild card round, but why in the world is the one seed having to play a wild card game or a wild card series or whatever? You know, I just think that there's too many upset possibilities with this best two out of three thing. And I just, I don't like it. I, I, I like the idea of expanding it to eight teams, but you know the point of the playoffs is like to find the best team. And when you play best two out of three, especially in baseball, like you're not going the best team isn't always gonna win. You know where you know you go best you know four out of seven, best team's probably gonna win. You know, and so I I don't really like it. Not really a fan. I really wish that they would change that. So, but yeah. So the Astros are up one zero. You know, a- everybody's playing today. Like baseball starts at eleven and gets done at like ten thirty tonight. Like it's crazy. So it's gonna be, load today is loaded with baseball, and then we got the NBA finals tonight as well. That's what I'm gonna be watching. You know, I mean, I'll I'll keep track of uh, of the different games, but I don't know. Oh, speaking of baseball. Breaking news: San Diego, San Diego Padres pitcher Mike Clevenger is probably out for the Wild Card series. Could miss the rest of the of the of the playoffs. So he um, apparently you know, his arm's been bothering him. He had a bullpen yesterday. It's not any better. So wow, that's big news for the Padres because they went out and they they spent a lot to get him. So wow, crazy. But yeah. So, I think that's going to do it here. We're going to cut the show a little short today. There's not much else for me to really for me to really talk about. So, once again, baseball all day today. NBA Finals tonight. I got the Heat winning the series in six. I got the Heat winning tonight as well. Patrick Mahomes is way better than Lamar Jackson. Let me think. If you missed the show, what, what else did you miss? Um, Chiefs are clearly the best team in the NFL. Packers are the best team in the NFC. And yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. So, this has been Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 FM The Pulse here in Arkadelphia. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. Really good show today. Looking forward to talking to y'all again on Monday. College football this Saturday. So excited for it. I love college football, absolutely love it. So, if you want to hear more from me, I do do a podcast as well. Same name, Overtime Takes. You can find it on Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. Once again, not a requirement, but if you enjoy the show and you want to hear more from me, feel free to go there and check that out. As you can check out my Twitter as well, if you want to hear me or listen to me live tweet games and kind of see my true initial reactions to things, because obviously, like I tweak my opinions as the days go on. So, if you want to hear my initial reactions to everything, you can follow my personal Twitter account if you want at j schmidt underscore four, or you can follow the show's Twitter account at ot takes on Twitter so yeah once again those are optional if you want to hear more from me and I'd love to hear from y'all as well if y'all have different ideas and things like that just go find me on on Twitter and you can send them over my way so yeah once again this has been Overtime Takes on KSWH LP 102.5 from the Pulse here in Arkadelphia hope you guys have a great day I'll see y'all again on Monday